0: Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the podcast called 10 to Track. Choo choo! Weekly world match previews. Choo choo? Person new, but it's not that sort of track.
1: Shoot, I can call it whatever I want. And isn't a track what a train is supposed to ride on?
0: Yes, that's all good and fine, but let's not mislead the listeners into thinking that this is something train related. This is going to be soccer or football related, and we're going to have a good time. That was my uh, eight-year-old daughter, uh, co-host of the true star of the show, Person Noob. I am your host, Soccer Noob, and even though I've only been following the sport for a few years, you might be surprised what we can learn together. I follow leagues from every single corner of the globe, top-flight domestic ones. We like to look at one-versus-two matchups, playoff matchups, FA Cup if it's uh, late, or if it's uh, minnows, Giants slaying teams from lower levels, trying to beat the bigger teams. If it's an interesting match, and usually more particularly if there's a trophy on the line. Team Noob is going to be there covering it. That's what we love to do. We're going to be covering matches from uh, February 19 through 25. That is Friday through Thursday. And with no further ado, let's just jump right in with match number one. As we do every episode, we'll move chronologically through the matches. Your first one to track is a Friday match. We're headed to Europe, the UEFA Women's European Championships Qualification Tournament. 47 of the 57 member nations have women's national teams in this. They have been broken up into nine groups of either five or six teams each. They're mostly done. Um, Each of the group winners will advance to the European Championships next year. And then the top three runner-ups will automatically also advance Additionally to them, three of the other six runners-up will advance. Uh, They'll have to win a one-off playoff with one of the other six not-best runners-up, if you will. And the match that we've chosen to look at, number 18, Finland, is taking on number 20 on the continent, Portugal. Uh, Each of them have this match and one other match left, and they're both pretty likely to advance no matter who actually wins the group. And there are no other contenders within this group for finishing in the top two. They are currently tied in points in the table. Finland happens to be up a whole bunch on goal differential. And let's talk about them first. The Finnish women's national team. They are known as the Helmerets, the Boreal or Northern or Northern Wind Owls, if you will. Uh, They have never made a World Cup, and they did not even qualify for the 2017 European Championships. But they did qualify the three times before that. And in fact, back in 2005, they had their best ever finish, uh, finishing in the semifinals specifically. This year in the group, they have uh, the number one offense and the number two defense. It's a very impressive goal differential of 18-4 and just two against. Oftentimes, there's not a lot of parity in the women's game, particularly these higher levels. So you see those very uh, disparate numbers. Uh, Tied for number four in the entire event uh, is a scorer they have named Linda Solstrom. And if you follow women's football at all, I'm sure that it is a name you will know. She has made over 100 national team appearances for Finland since 2007. Uh, currently, she plays in uh, perhaps the best women's league in the world, uh, France's first division, uh, for Paris FC. They do have one U.S. connection. They've got a gal who plays for the Portland Thorns as a defender. Natalia Kuika plays for the Finnish national team. Then on to Portugal, your visitors. Unlike Finland, uh, virtually their entire team uh, plays in the domestic league system. In this event, they have the number three offense, but the number one defense. uh, Eight goals for, just one against. They don't have any World Cup appearances either. They have made one Euros, the last one back in 2017, the group stage, and they finished in 14th place. Name to look for there, their best player perhaps, Claudia Nato. She is a central attacking midfielder, their overall best player. She's got a couple of goals in this event already. And uh, like her counterpart from the other team, she has 100-plus national team appearances for Portugal. And she currently plays for Fiorentina in Serie A. Match number B. Before we delve into the second match, which is also a Friday one, this is where i like to take a quick moment to thank my daughter for Person Noob, for handling our countdown duties, and for doing it the way that I have taught her, as a couth father should. We don't care to say, and I'll just say it hopefully the once number two just sounds like bathroom talk to us so we like to say number B one B three four five six seven and so on join the revolution out with digit two in with number B and the match for the second week in a row we are headed to Uganda their Premier League is rated number 18. In Africa, that's down one spot from a year ago. Because they're not in the top 12, they just get one Champions League berth annually. And then uh, the second place team goes to the Confederation Cup, which is basically their version of the Europa League. It's very early in the season there. So the title is up for grabs and our contenders right now, they were number two last week. They are now number one after their win. Vipers taking on now number two, Police FC. Vipers lead to the table by just one. A bit about them. They are from the Contende area of uh, the Kampala Greater Metro Area, not really part of Kampala proper. Uh, give a little perspective compared to the giant station or stadiums rather of the Premier League. Their stadium, Saint Mary's, uh, holds about twenty-five thousand. I love their kits, orange and black. Just don't see a ton of that. I don't know if that's necessarily Viper E or not. I don't know my snakes that well, but the kits are very, very cool, and I imagine that that is Viper-ish. They are undefeated on the year, and no thanks to their defense. Their defense is very average, very much their weakness, but they do have the number one offense in the league. Uh, Historically, they have four league titles to their credit. That's if you include last year's unofficial title. Due to COVID, the season got abandoned about 80% of the way through. Last year, I believe, was their best Champions League run ever. They made it to the playoff round last year, which is the round right before the group stage. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, police, they are within uh, Kapala proper in the Lugogo area, sort of the northeast part of the city, playing a much smaller venue. Startime Stadium only seats 3,000, very well balanced, number three offense, number one on defense. So you can say this is very much going to be a game about pace control. They've only got one title to their credit. They won that back in 2005. And uh, then the next year, they lost in the preliminary or very, very first round of the Champions League. But in 2006, they did win a regional trophy. They won something called the Sakafa Cup, that's C-E-C-A-F-A, which is a a sub-confederation in Africa of the eastern and central countries. Match number three. Our third match is our only Saturday match, and it takes us back to Europe, specifically to Germany, the Bundesliga the number 4 rated league in all of UEFA, passed last year by Italy. Uh, In that elevated position, though, they still get four Champions League group stage berths, one group stage berth for the Europa League, and then one Europa Conference League playoff round berth. That is the round right before the group stage. And the ECL, just a reminder, is a new tournament that you may or may not be familiar with. They're going to start playing it this year. It's going to be a tertiary international club tournament below the Europa League. Our matchup number three Frankfurt taking on number one Bayern Munich, who just barely got by uh, to a draw, actually, with one of the uh, bottom feeders in the league in their last match. So could this be another tough match for them in a row? They've got to go on the road and play a much better team this time. It's going to be on television, ESPN Plus here in the states at nine thirty in the morning, if you are so inclined. The table, Bayern Munich currently lead number B, Leipzig by 5, and then uh, Frankfurt by 10. Frankfurt in turn lead Wolfsburg uh, by just 1, and that's not 1 point in the table, that's 1 on goal differential. So the top 2 slots in this league might be more or less decided. This is a bigger deal for Frankfurt as they try to stay in the top 4 and get one of those Champions League group stage berths. Now that's about as much as I really want to tell you about this because Noob understands. Well, I don't understand. I shouldn't refer to myself in the third person, probably. Pretty nerdy thing to do, but I understand. (laughs) If you're listening to this podcast, you almost certainly listen to a number of other footy podcasts. Thank you very much for listening to this one. I hope if you like it, you pass it on to your friends. We try to cover some new interesting matches here. But when it comes to a match like this, I know that you can get deeper, better information on this great league and these great historical teams from some of those other shows that you could probably get from me. Noob isn't just a character. It is my life. I'm learning. Thanks for joining me on that journey. So rather than do a typical preview, I have decided to... Uh, Well, let's get our gambling on. Let's figure out who it is that we're supposed to lay our quid on for this game. And to help us out with that, for the second time in three weeks, we are going to my very, very, very long-time friend. He's 35 years old, not that I... Or 3,500 years old, not that I am. Noob Stradamus, he of the flowing white hair and the tremendous mind who can touch other dimensions and find out what's going to be happening on lots and lots of soccer games or maybe even more important things. He is, as usual, hanging out on the Thracian plains of Greece, is my understanding, divining, prognosticating, uh, hopefully at the ripe old age of 3,500 years, uh, eating lots of uh, prunes or maybe in maybe in greece it's wizened grapes or something i don't know something to keep the poor guy regular but he doesn't mind us harassing him so um i've talked to him in advance he's done his preparations for his trance his divination and we are going to catch him mid-trance and meteoress in this vision what are you seeing and experiencing mighty seer
1: 1562 i found myself in the frankfurt cathedral it was never an episcopal see, but impressive nonetheless, and would be more so momentarily. Maximilian II was about to be the first of many holy Roman emperors coronated here. As we walked from the south side walk appell, where he had been elected to the sanctuary, we caught a whiff of something malodorous. His Excellency wondered cheekily if the holy relics that were pieces of St. Bartholomew's skull encased in the altar had gone ripe. I only recognized the stench as sulfuric when we entered the sanctuary. Ceremonious bishops lay dead or dying everywhere. Before the chancel stood a balrog, fiery whip in its demonic clutches. It and I fell into an abyss and did do battle. Through fire and water, from the lowest dungeon to the highest peak, I fought with the balrog of Morgoth. Until, at last, I threw down my enemy and smote his ruin upon the mountainside. Darkness took me and I straight out of thought and time. Stars wheeled overhead and every day was as long as a life age of the earth. But it was not the end. I felt life in me again. I've been sent back until my task is done. Noobstradamus. Yes. That's what they used to call me. That was my name. And I come back to you now at the turn of the tide. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt 1, Bayern Munich 2. Sure, right. (laughs) Uh, full disclosure, I may have been watching Lord of the Rings The Two Towers last night, and smoking lotus leaves. Again, don't judge me.
0: You know what? I am going to judge you. It doesn't sound like you're saying and out on the Thracian Plains. It sounds like you were staying in a hotel and you found Lord of the Rings and the two towers on basic cable. Last week, you predicted the Liverpool was going to beat one of the Manchester clubs three to one, and they ended up losing one to four. And it was such a butt kicking, which you didn't see coming, apparently, that their manager, Jurgen Klopp, actually has publicly conceded the Premier League title race. So I take back what I said before. Uh, it's up to you, dear newbite, dear listeners, whether or not you want not put any quid in your local gambling house or online or however you do it on this particular game based on Noobstradamus' quote-unquote vision. It sounds like maybe he's been doing the uh, ditch lotus leaves instead of some of the better stuff at the very least. But in any case, I don't want to be completely rude. Thank you for your efforts. Whatever degree you went to, Noobstradamus, perhaps you're doing the best you can. Match Match number four. We head to Sunday on the calendar and stay in Europe, but head southward into Italy. The number three rated league is the Serie A by UEFA. Just like Germany, they get four Champions League group stage berths, one Europa League group stage berth, and one ECL playoff round berth. And it is called the Derby della Madanina. It's named after the Virgin Mary, uh, a statue of her atop a church there in Milan. We have the two big Milan teams facing off. Number two, or I should say number B, Milan, taking on number Number one, Inter or Internacional. Interesting note for this derby uh, in terms, by the way, for MLS fans of uh, Internacional. They're having some legal wrangling with uh, David Beckham's new team. Uh, enter Miami over the name and whether or not that can be used. And I'm pretty sure that I read that the first round of the legal wrangling uh, went the Italian's way. So on top of having stadium building issues and everything else uh, that Beckham and his ownership group have been dealing with in Miami, now it turns out they might even have to change their name. All right, but for this match, Milan, they are known as the Devil or the Red and Blacks. Uh, This is a historically working class team there in Milan. They have 18 titles to their credit for the league. last one was uh, a decade ago, 2010-2011. Seven Champions League titles. I knew they were historically good, but I never realized just how good. Although they haven't won it since 2006-2007. And in 2007 they also won the FIFA Club World Cup. Last year uh, they missed out on the Champions League. They finished just number six. This year, doing better and very well balanced. Fourth best offense, fourth best defense in the league. Uh, A lot of that offense due to the league's uh, number three score, or one of them tied for that rank, Slatan Ibrahimović. Probably don't need to tell you anything about the Tower of Power there, but who's been setting him up? I like to look at guys with assists, so a guy to look at the box score. Tied for number one in the league in assists, Hakan And he is Turkish and an attacking midfielder. Uh, If you followed the Bundesliga, then you might be familiar with him. He's played with a mess of German teams over his career. His best one probably was uh, Bayer Leverkusen. And for Turkey on their national team, he's had 51 caps since 2013. They also get to boast the number one goalkeeper in the league statistically, Gianluigi Donnarumma. He is just 21 years old, so you wonder if he might even get to play in La Liga or the Premier League before too long. Uh, the all-time great goalkeeper out of Italy, uh, Gigi Buffon, this guy is the one who everybody has been saying is probably going to replace him. Personality-wise, uh, his critics would say that he's got a little bit of growing to do to really control the box just because he's so young. But on the flip side of that coin, uh, he's very, very introverted in nature, which helps a lot at that position from what I've read. He's very noted for his mental composure, even independent of his young age. And uh, he has been playing with the national team since 2016 and already earned 22 caps for them. Uh, meanwhile, Inter. They are known as the big grass snake. I love their symbol. It's a, a coiled viper, a really big one with a man uh, being crushed in its jaws. It's a heraldic symbol for the entire city of Milan. Uh, that said, if you like your working class teams, uh, root for Milan, not international. This is considered more of a middle class or bourgeois team, if you will. A very good one historically, 18 league titles to their credit, most recent one 2009-2010, three Champions League titles, 2009-2010 season was the most recent one, and like their counterparts today, they also have a FIFA Club World Cup title, which they won in 2010. What can we say? 2010 was a big year for them. Big year for them last year, too. They finished second in the league this year. Number one offense, number three defense. So statistically, the better team all around, but they're on the road. That's what's going to make this a great matchup. Tied for number one in the league in scoring, uh, Romelu Lukaku. He's played for several of the Premier League teams, a very famous guy, and he is the all-time leading scorer already for the Belgian national team. Um, that said, where they, this team's going to run into trouble. is going to be on the defensive side. Their goalkeeper is really going to be put to the limit if he doesn't show up on defense. That's typically the case for this team. He's just not known as being consistent on that side of the ball. Tied for number five in the league in assists, Marcelo Brozovic. He's Croatian, a midfielder. Been with this team for quite a while, since 2015. And he's got a bunch of caps for the Croatian national team over the last five, six years. And then the guy who I think will be put to the test here on the road if uh, Lukaku doesn't really have his uh, whole game put together. Uh, statistically, the number two goalkeeper in the league, Samir Hendanovic. He is Slovenian and he's been with the team a very long time, since 2012, and has been making national team appearances for Slovenia since 2014, 2004 all the way through 2015. Match number five. Another Sunday match and we stay in Europe, but this time head uh, north and eastward to Austria, the other Bundesliga, if you will. They have the number 10 league in all of UEFA, and that's up two slots from last year, uh, passing by uh, the likes of uh, Ukraine and Turkey. I'm not 100% sure what they get for their berths, to be perfectly honest. I know they get the champion will, of course, go to the uh, group stage of the Champions League, and then they'll get another Champions League team in, but um, I'm almost 100% not for the group stage. But one of the earlier qualifying rounds, they probably get a Europa League berth and then uh, one or two uh, ECL berths as well. In any case, they just have five matches to go in the fir- this, the first phase of the regular season. Uh, once it concludes the top half of the league, the top six out of 12 will move on to the champions' round where they only will play each other to determine who wins the league title. The bottom half will play in a relegation round. Now, if they do the same format as last year, unlike some leagues, they won't completely start over in points. And yet, unlike some some leagues, neither will they keep all their points. This particular league historically They've taken the top six, cut their points in half to make things a little bit closer, and then uh, rounded down if it was an odd number. And the second part of the season, the Champions Round, will start from that point. In any case, our match, all that having been said. Number one, Red Bull Salzburg taking on number B, Rapid Vienne. These are the only two teams so far with just those few ma- five matches to go to have secured Champions Round berths. Uh, nevertheless, I'm sure one of them wants to win the regular season title, obviously. Salzburg currently laid in the table by three, uh, as they are named for the drink manufacturer. They are of course known as the Red Bulls. And, uh, I didn't find anything more recent than, uh, 2019, but it probably still holds true. This is, uh, this is a team that's probably just barely in the top 25 in all of Europe, just to compare it to other teams you might hear me talking about over the weeks, uh, Let's see, they've got 14 league titles to their credit and uh, half of them have been uh, consecutive. They are the seven-time defending champions of the league, the real powerhouse. Uh, They've made the round of 16 in the Europa League more than once in this stretch, but they can never quite get to the group stage in the Champions League. Uh, This year... Number one in offense by a lot. They've scored half as half again as many goals as the second-best team in that category. Number three defense as well. They brag the number one league scorer and Sekou Koita. He is from uh, the island nation of Mali, not too far off the coast of Africa. Uh, really young guy. We've got several good young guys that we're going to watch for in this match. In fact, he's a forward and he's just 21 years old. One of the things I like to do is... Other hosts of other podcasts may know about the big players in the biggest leagues. You and I, we're getting to learn oftentimes about the younger players in some of the other leagues that we'll get to know even better as they move up into those bigger leagues. In any case, he, uh, despite his very young age, he's actually been playing for the Mali national team for five years. So basically since uh, before he would have been old enough to drive in the U.S., since 2016. Number two in the league in assists, a Hungarian fellow named Dominic Saboslai, couple of Z's in there, probably butchering it, but bear with me. He is a midfielder, and he is just 20 years old, and he's been playing with uh, the national team in Hungary since 2019. And we have a uh, almost brand-new USA connection to this team. Brendan Aronson, he came over from uh, the MLS's Philadelphia Union last month, a midfielder, just 20 years old, and he's already got five appearances and one goal for them, so good on him. And he's already earned a couple of caps for the U.S. men's national team. Meanwhile, Rapid Vienna—they finished in second place last year. Uh, historically, this is an even better team, but they've had trouble ever since Red Bull got a hold of Salzburg. But they do have 32 league titles, and uh, but the most recent one was 2007-2008. Uh, they got to the Champions League last year and lost in the third qualifying round, so just a couple games shy of the group stage. Very well balanced, number two offense, number four defense in this league. And the man to watch for, number four scorer and top 10 in assists as well. I don't know how to say his first name, E R C A N, Erkan or Ersan Kara. And he is a forward who is just 25 years old. Match number six. Another Sunday match takes us to the Serie A in Brazil for what I believe is the most important match in the entire world going on this week. There's only two matches to go in the Brazilian regular season, and this one is number B Flamengo taking on number one Internacional. Now, the top seven teams from this league, it being the best one in all of South America, they get seven Copa Libertadores berths, but uh, believe me, they want to win the title, and what a race it has been. I saw started following this league in earnest just a couple of months ago. Uh, For this year anyway And Sao Paulo appeared to be running away with it They were up by like 9 points But they haven't, forgive the somewhat blue expression uh, Crapped the bed since then And we have had a real title race Even not involving them Internacional lead by just one in the table And they're on the road versus Flamengo For this one A little bit about each Flamengo They are from a very affluent part of southern Rio de Janeiro Called Gavea Uh, It's full of artists and intellectuals If you like your working class teams This may not necessarily be the one for you, but it is for a lot of folks in Brazil. It is considered the most popular club in the entire nation. Uh, they are known as the Vulture, and they are considered, uh, at least according to Kick Algorithms, I believe, to be the number eight club in the entirety of CONMEBOL, the South American uh, Football Association. They have six league titles to their credit. One win most recently just a couple of years ago, 2019 and two Copa Libertadores titles, most recently, once again, 2019 Uh, to uh, hit their stride late in the season. They are 5-1-0 in their last six, and it is entirely on the backs of their offense. They score like a whirlwind, number one in the league, but they do it at the defense of count. Uh, Teams can really counterattack against them. They only have the number 11 rated defense statistically in the entire league. That's a little below average. Players to look for, the singularly named Pedro. He is a uh, young guy, just 23 years old, plays striker, and is one of two top 10 league scorers they have on this team. Uh, he spent last season with the other Serie A in Italy, and even before that was getting international interest, so you never know where he's going to end up next because he's gotten interest everywhere from uh, Europe, like Bordeaux over in France, To CONCACAF, uh, Monterey had real interest in in him uh, from Liga MX. And he does have one Brazilian national team uh, capped to his credit. Number two in assists for the entire league, Georgian de Arasqueta. He is an Uruguayan. He is an attacking midfielder. And I don't like him because his name was hard to say. (laughs) But anyway, he's been with the national team in uh, Uruguay since 2014, despite the fact that he's relatively young, just 26 years old. Meanwhile, Internacional from Porto Alegre, they are known as the Steamroller. Last year, they just barely got into the Champions League, finished number seven. They have three league titles to their credit, but interestingly, you've got to go all the way back to 1979 for the most recent one. So, think this match isn't a real big deal for them? Oh, and how it is. Uh, yet despite that uh, more modern lack of titles, they've been uh, very good in the Champions League. Uh, they won it in 2006, and 2010 in fact, and they won the FIFA Club World Cup in 2006, which isn't as big a deal for the European teams but the South Americans, perhaps more than anybody else, take that very seriously. Have a bit of a chip on their shoulder compared to the uh, the European League members. They have done gone 3-1 one, and 1 in their last 5, but that said, they had a bad home loss just within the last uh, in their last match to number 14 uh, Sporting uh, Recife. So, uh they're bleeding a little bit from the nose on that one. It looked like they were in route to the title and now they have uh, uh made it a real race just that one point difference between the two. Statistically, they're the best team around, number two offense, tied for the best defense. Uh they've got a guy tied for number 1 in the league in scoring, Tiago Galhardo, an attacking midfielder. And they've got the number one statistical goalkeeper in the league in Marcelo Lamba, And we do have a USA connection. I don't know how much he gets off the bench because he's just 19 years old. But they've got a defensive midfielder named, uh, he just goes by Johnny down there, a full name, Johnny Cardoso. He was born in New Jersey to Brazilian parents, and he moved to Brazil at a very, very young age. Uh, But that said, he uh, seems to be leaning his uh, allegiance towards uh, the U.S. He's already got two caps with our men's national team. We really couldn't call this 10 to track if we weren't looking back to the week before and recapping the matches from last week's 10 to track episode. Let's take a break from the current weeks and do that right now. Last week, Saturday match, match number one, we went to Bangladesh, where number two, Sheikh Jamal, took on number one, uh, Basundara Kings, and it was a nil-nil draw. Let's see. And Sheikh Jamal actually fell to number three, but they have a game in hand over both uh, Basundara and the team that passed them for the moment, Abahani. Match number B, the second match. We went to Iran where number two, Sepahan, was taking on number one, Esteglal. And the result, Sepahan won 2-0. Player was going to look for Shahbazadeh. Had a brace. Uh, Sepahan are number one, and now Esteghlal are number two. So they switched places. Match number three, the Ugandan Premier League, number two at the time. Vipers took on the Army team, number one, UPDF. The result was a 1-0 Vipers win. So Vipers are the new number one, and UPDF fall to number three behind the police team. Match number four, we went to Azerbaijan for a one-versus-two matchup. Karabag taking on second-best FK Nafchi and Nefci pulled the upset, got a 1-2 win. There were four red cards in this game, so people were just very, very naughty, and two of them were straight reds. I don't know if that's more, more impressive than the fact that two other guys had a total of four yellows or not. But in any case, Nefci have now taken over as number one in the table for the moment. Match number five, we went to Croatia's first football league. Number one, Dynamo Zagreb. Took on number two, Osiek, And they were tied in points, but no longer. Dynamo Zabgreb, uh, your usual favorites primarily. They won 1-0. Sunday, match number six, the Syrian Premier League. Number one, al Al-Jaish took on number two, Al-Karama, and the result was a 1-1 draw. Guy was here to watch out for for al jaish Al-Wakid, he scored. al jaish are your new number one, and Karama fall all the way to number four. Very tight race going on there. Match number seven was a Monday match. We went to the Premier League of Cyprus. Number three, AEL Limassol took on number one, Apollon Limassol in a Good intra-city derby there, and uh, the result was a 2-1 win for AEL Limassol. Nicholas Deguini scored for Apollon, though. That was a guy that we said to look for in the box score, and he got his goal in the third extra minute after 90. Ammonia, uh, or Omonia Nicosia are now your new number one, actually, and AEL Limassol are uh, in second place, and Apollon are now number three. Wednesday, match number eight was a Champions League match in Europe. I covered the one from Sevilla versus Borussia Dortmund. And uh, Dortmund won in a real high-scoring affair. They won two to three. And uh, your European sweetheart, Erling Holland, uh, the 20-year-old youngster, he had a brace and an assist in this match. Match number nine, we went to Colombia's Categoria Primera Ah, for a two-versus-one matchup, number B, Junior FC, taking on number one, Deportivo Cali. This stage is going to be one heck of a race. Uh, Deportivo Cali won one to two. A guy named Marco Perez had a brace for the winners. Junior fell all the way down to number five, though really they're tied for second place. There are five teams in the table uh, with the second most points. Match number 10, we went to Thailand. And the Thai League One matchup was one versus two. Number one, BG Patum United took on number two, Port FC. And Patum won two to one. And uh, Johnny Cardozo scored in that match. Good for him. Our route of the week last week, one of our three bonus matches we'll learn more about later if you are new. Uh, we had gone to Bulgaria's first professional league. Number one, uh, Ludogorets Razgrad took on last place Atar, And I predicted it was going to be five, nothing. Noob didn't too do too poorly on his own prognostication. It was a 6-0 win for Ludogorets. and wow, Claudio Keseiru. I said to watch for him, but I had no idea he'd pull this. I know that two is a brace and three is a hat-trick. What do you even call it when a guy gets four goals in a game? Wow. And then your match of uh, the world's most meaningless match Saturday, we went to Albania. Their categoria superior had number 5 KF uh, Tehran taking on number six Kuksi, and the result was a 0 2 win for the visitors of Kuksi. So they switched places in the table, and then finally our match of disappointed, two last place teams from Australia were supposed to be playing, but in disappointing fashion. It seems to happen a lot with this particular bonus match. Uh, we had tried to go to Australia's A League for number twelve Melbourne versus uh, Melbourne Victory versus number eleven Wellington Phoenix. Uh, They were tied in the table for uh, last place, basically. But now that match will be played on Wednesday, the 24th this month. That concludes our episode 20 recap from last week. And now back to your regularly scheduled and current tend to track with... Match number seven. Still Sunday and back to Europe, specifically to the Super League of Greece. It is ranked number 18 in UEFA as such they get one first qualifying round Champions League berth and then there are two ECL teams that get berth they get to go to the uh, second qualifying round Uh, they're doing a different format this year than they usually do it's only the second time they've done this the top 6 out of their 14 teams after just a few more matches are going to just be playing each other in a championship round to determine the title now unlike one of the leagues we talked about earlier where they get to cut their points in half this is one of the teams or leagues I should say where the points will not start over. They'll get to carry over all of their win-loss points into the champion's round. And uh, that's very sad for the rest of the league because number one, Olympiacos, uh, they lead the league right now by 14. They have absolutely run away with it. And they're playing host in this match to number B, Aris Thessaloniki. Uh, so again, Olympiacos lead by 14, uh, Thessaloniki, uh, by goal differential, they lead in a three-way tie, uh, for the second best spot in the table right now. So they're in a race for one of those ECL spots, It's musical chairs. One of those three isn't going to get one. Uh, let's see five of the six teams in this league. It's already been determined officially who's qualified for the championship round, by the way. And uh, the number six one is all but in. So in some ways, this isn't the most important match. But what can I say? I almost named myself Soccer Squirrel instead of Soccer Noob. I like shiny things and number one versus number B matchups are exactly that for me olympiakos they play out of uh, piraeus which is a uh, port city it's a very working middle class team and very centrist in its politics and largely due to that they are the number one most popular team and the all-time best team in all of greece by record uh give you some perspective they're probably ranked about number 35 in UEFA amongst all clubs uh putting them around teams like wolfsburg from the bundesliga and uh Uh, Atletico Bilbao from the Porches Liga, Primera Liga. They have 45 league titles to their credit, and they are the defending champions. Uh, Best, at least recent, maybe even all-time European finishes. uh, Champions League, they got to the quarterfinals in 2012. And then in the Europa League in 2016, they got as far as the quarterfinals. This year, number one, offense by a mile and then on top of that they are the only club in the league to be allowing less than one goal every other match so They're probably going to win this one. They've won just about all of their other matches. Number one scorer in the league by a lot, 16 compared to second best, only having 10, is Moroccan striker Yosef Al Arabi. And he's been playing with Morocco's uh, national team since 2010. If his name is familiar to you, it might be because you follow some of the bigger European leagues. He did spend at least one season in uh, Spain's Premier League with Granada. And they also have the number one assist man in the league setting them up, Costa Fortunis. He is an attacking midfielder. He's been with the national team in Greece since all the way back in 2012. Meanwhile, your sort of challengers of the moment, Aris Thessaloniki. They play out of the capital city of Macedonia. Uh, that's a region of about one million people. And Aris, if that sounds like Ares, not a coincidence. They are named for the god of war. And uh, their primary uh, color is yellow, and it's very important to this area culturally. It's uh, it's an old Byzantine color, and it's representative of this Macedonian region, the northern part of the country. Uh, it's considered the fifth most popular team in Greece. They do have three league titles to their credit, but it's been a spell since they've had one. You've got to go all the way back to 1945, 46 since they last held a major trophy. In fact, they were uh, all the way down in the third division uh, just as recently as 2015-16. So, you know, good on them for being able to be even this high in the table. Uh, Their best appearance in Europe, and maybe their only one, uh, was the Europa League. They made a round of 16 in 2011. Last year, they finished in fifth place in the league, right about in the middle. This year, they are tied for number four on offense, but there's really a lot of difference between them and the other teams that are around them in that category. And uh, they also have the second-best defense. Uh, they have two of the top 10 scorers in the league. Uh, the one who I spent some time looking at was Bruno Gama, He, a Portuguese right-winger, a veteran, 33 years old. And uh, it's hard to say what could have or should have happened with this guy's career. He played with big Portuguese teams, Porto and Braga, right Braga, right out of the gate in his career. And ever since then, has sort of moved down into these more middling European leagues. Match number eight. Our last Sunday match brings us over to the US for their Invitational International Tournament, this year being played in Orlando, the Women's She Believes Cup. It always involves four teams. They've just been doing it a few years. This year, uh, it's going to be the U.S. team, of course, Uh, Canada, Brazil, and Argentina. The United States are the defending champs and the number one ranked team in the world. Uh, Japan was going to be in this, but uh, for reasons related to the COVID pandemic, they decided to withdraw. And uh, Argentina was the team that replaced them. I tried to find a little bit about the naming the She Believes Cup, if that was some sort of a corporate sponsorship or if they were raising proceeds towards some organization called She Believes. I'm still not really sure. Didn't find anything. The only thing that I do know is that she doesn't believe, apparently, in putting a space between words. They stylize it, interestingly, and that is a capital S and a capital B, but they don't put a space between she and believes. Neither here nor there. Most podcasts are going to be covering anything to this tournament. Stateside will, of course, be focusing on the U.S. Women's National Team, and therefore, I've decided to go the road less traveled and preview the other game this week taking place on that. Argentina versus Canada. It's gonna be on FS2 on TV at 6 p.m. Eastern, which is really interesting, because the same day uh, USA is playing Brazil, and uh, from what I can see, that one's not gonna be televised. These two teams, Argentina and Canada, have never played head-to-head. A little bit about each. Uh, Argentina, they are only ranked number 31 by FIFA, and yet that's considered the second best in South America where women's football is uh, really playing catch-up. Brazil is uh, tied for number eight, I believe in FIFA. So Argentina, even though they're number two on the continent are way down from that large part of the reason for that is because, uh, with women's sports, both field hockey and volleyball are a lot more popular than football is. Although they're getting better. Of course, uh, in 2003, 2007 and 2019, they made the world cup group stage each of those times. And that most recent one, 2019 congratulations to them for it. They actually earned a draw against, uh, one-time champions, Japan. And then they also got a three, three draw against Scotland. And that's the first time an Argentinian women's team has ever gotten a point in the world cup. They do have a couple of USA connections. I didn't make a note of what position she plays, but they've got a collegiate player named Sophia Braun that uh, plays for uh, Gonzaga. And then another player named Florencia Hernandez, who plays, I believe for a team called the Nashville rhythm, which I couldn't find anything on. Uh, I th- I assume it's a semi-professional team or maybe a collegiate team of some sort, but in any case, they do have a couple of USA connections. Meanwhile, the Canadian team tied for number eight in FIFA with Brazil. Most recent international matches that I could find for them last year, they played in something I believe it's pronounced the Tournois, de france or tournoi de france it's an invitational uh tournament very much in the spirit of the she believes one four teams go over there for that and they went 0 and one in last year's version in 2019 they played in the world cup and made the round of 16. but that said their best ever world cup finish was a fourth place finish back in 2003 They have a mess of teams, as you might imagine, being our neighbors to the north. That have USA League connections. I think that the player to watch for this game is going to be Nichelle Prince. She plays for Houston. Uh, She's a forward for the NWSL Houston team, 25 years old. She's already got 25 caps with the U.S. Women's National Team and has scored 11 times. Uh, Even though she's only 25, she has been playing for the uh, U.S. Women's National Team, I believe, since 2013, and then also played her college ball with Ohio State. Match number nine. Well, that's a wrap on our weekend. We've got a couple of weekday matches to do, two of them to be precise. Match number nine takes us to Saudi Arabia to their pro league top flight. It is ranked number four in the AFC. What's important about that is, uh, and I've mentioned this before, so forgive me, but the top six clubs or leagues, I should say, in Asia are head and shoulders better than all the other ones. And this is one of those. So your eventual Champions League champions tends to come out of one of those six leagues. Uh, They're a little bit over halfway through the season there. The league, they will get two Champions League group stage bursts and then a bonus one into the playoff round. The matchup, number one, Al-Shabaab taking on number B, Al-Ali. Shabaab lead by three in the table. Al-Ali, in turn, lead Al-Halal by two. A little bit about each. Al-Shabaab, the name in Arabic, I believe, translates to youth. And that name goes all the way back to 1959. They had a uh, club president, from what I've read, who uh, couldn't handle the pressure of basically running the club alone, which is what he was trying to do at that time. And he ended up just disbanding the senior team and yet the young players did not get disbanded from their youth teams, and so their best youth players became the senior team that year, and that's when they earned the nickname. They are also known as the White Lion. They play out of the capital city of Riyadh, and they are considered uh, the 10th best team in all of Asia. Uh, That said, last year they only finished 7th place in this league, uh, to their credit, they have six league titles historically. Most recent was 2011 2012. They've made nine Champions League appearances all within the last 20 years, and their best finish was the semifinals of 2010. This year, number four defense that's good, but they've got the best offense that's great. Number two scorer in the league, Christian Guanca, it might be Guanza, not sure. In any case, he is Argentinian, plays left midfielder. If his name is familiar to you, then you are a hardcore European footy fan. In 2017, uh, Cologne in Argentina that club had the rights to him, but they loaned him out for that season to the Turkish side, Kasim Pasha. They've also got the number one assist man in the league, Abdullah Hamdan. He plays forward. Uh, I should say they had, they don't have him. They had him. He is uh, not a guy you can find in the uh, box score. I wanted to mention it because he's on the league statistical leaderboard, but alas for this team, he got moved over to third place, al Hilal, in some sort of trade or transfer. And then they also have the top 10 goalkeeper in the league, Zaid Al-Bawardi. Meanwhile, al they're playing out of the city of Jeddah, which is in the west central part of the country. It is the commercial center of the nation, city of about 400,000. Last year, they finished number three in the league. Three league titles to their name, 2015-2016, was the most recent trophy they got to hold up. They were also the Champions League runners-up in 2012. Uh, last year, they were in the Champions League as well and made the quarterfinals but lost. And unfortunately, they had to lose to one of their own league teams, Al-Nasir. This year, second best offense and tied for number five on defense. Uh, their best offensive player, top 10 scorer named Omar Al-Soma. He is a Syrian striker. who has been with the uh, Syrian national team since 2012. And uh, I liked reading about this guy. He is His nickname is he is the Syrian Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Very, very tall, impressive aerial abilities. He can kick with both feet. He's a free kick and corner specialist, and he scores a ton. But specifically, he tends to score with headers, even though he is two-footed. Meanwhile, they've also got a TAT10 guy on the leaderboard for assists, and if you're an MLS fan, you may be familiar with him, Alexandru Mitrita. He is Romanian, and attacking midfielder, and he is on loan with this club from NYCFC. Very good one-on-one, uh, excellent pace, and technical ability might be what you remember about him from his New York City days.
1: And match number 10, we're done. Finally!
0: And now we've reached the final match. Yes, person we are done, at least with the official part of the 10 to track. This is the last one. And we head back to Europe one more time to Armenia. And this is a Thursday match. Armenia's premier league is uh, rated as number 39 in UEFA. And that's down three spots from a year ago. Uh, give you some idea what countries that puts them by. Uh, they just got passed by uh, Bosnia and uh, Herzegovina, uh, the Republic of Ireland and the nation of North Macedonia. Um, due to the rating being that far down, they just get one champions league berth, And that team has to start all the way back in the first qualifying round. And then even their two Europa conference league berths have to start in the first qualifying round of that event as well. Um, Unlike a lot of Europe, they're not nearly as far in the season, only just about a quarter of the way through your matchup. It's number one, Ararat Yerevan taking on number B Ararat Armenia. There's actually a three-way tie in the table. The third team is, um, FC, um, Ararat and Menia have the best team statistically. They've got the best goal differential, but they're listed as only second best in the table because they use a tiebreaker of head-to-head in this league, And the first match between these two teams was at Ararat-Armenia, and it ended in a draw. That said, Ararat-Armenia are probably the best team in the league because they've also got a game in hand uh, compared to Ararat-Yerevan and Alashkert. A little bit about each. Ararat-Yerevan, they are the White Eagles playing out of the capital city. Uh, Much better year, year, year this year than last. They only fished number nine last year. They've got just one modern league title, sort of post-USSR breakup, and that was back in 1993. Uh, this year, best offense, second-best defense. And they've got the, uh, a guy who is tied for second-best league scorer, uh, Juros Nenadovic. He is Serbian, a winger. And then they also statistically got the best goalkeeper in the league, or at least tied for first. Uh, I don't know if the first V is silent. Veselvalod Yermakov, and he is Russian. Uh, Meanwhile, the other side of the ball, Ararat, Armenia. They were founded just four years ago, yet they are the two-time defending champion in this league. Uh, Sort of an interesting side note for having the audacity to put Armenia in their name, as if that's not the country that they're all from. Ararat Yerevan actually did some sort of formal objecting to uh, the naming for this team when it joined the league. Fat lot of good it did them, apparently. Uh, This team is tied for number one on offense, and the defense is even better. They're only allowing a goal once every three three matches on average, the last two years, they've made the champions league, of course. uh, And uh, they lost in the first qualifying round, but then both years, they won two games in the Europa league to get almost to the group stage, losing in the playoff round. Uh, They uh, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not they can hold this position in the league. statistically, they are the best, but they're having a problem with the roster. I don't know if it's a solvency issue or what, but they're getting rid of some of their best players. Um, the guy that's tied for number f- four in the league on goals is Mailson Lima, who is uh, Dutch-born but officially lists for eligibility national team-wise as being from Cape Verde in Africa. He's a winger, uh, but he just got moved within the last couple of weeks to a United Arab Emirates club, a second-tier club at that, Deba Alhizen. I'm going to pronounce it, and then uh, they've got a guy who uh, or had a guy who was tied for number one in goalkeeping, uh, Stefan. Uh, Shupic, I want to say his name is, a Serbian, but he just got moved to Cyprus over to one of their big clubs, Olympia, uh, Olympiacos Nicosia. So we'll have to see how much of effect that has on their title race hopes. The official 10 may be done, but not our fun. Time for my favorite part of the podcast. The bonus matches. And this is a good time to say thank you very much if you have found me on Twitter. If you haven't, my handle there is Soccer Noob USA. I love talking anything footy with you. You can even say hi to Person Noob. She's only eight and therefore does not get her own account yet. I am new to being soccer. She is new to being a person and does not get her own social media yet. And that's just the way that is. But in any case, I put all the bonus match possibilities up on Twitter. You vote for them, and here they are. The first match is our Route of Of the of the week. And this is a match that you selected. It technically shouldn't have even been on the list. Because I uh, scour the globe for first versus last place matchups for this. And the Guadalupe division of honor match I put up there isn't a first versus last in the league, but it is first versus last in their group. They have a group A and a group B. The matchup is uh, number one in the group. Number two overall, Far Du Canal versus C-E-R-F-A. They are last place in their group. Uh, Only third worst probably overall, if you looked at it as an aggregate table. Uh, They are not officially... FIFA certified, I don't believe, as a nation for their soccer, but they have affiliations with a couple different regions. They are rated by Kick Algorithm, again, that's a site I very much like for coefficients, as the 15th best uh, league overall in CONCACAF. And uh, because they have that affiliation with CONCACAF, they uh, get to participate in the Champions League, at least hypothetically, and in the Caribbean Football Union Club Shield. In the in uh, sub region, the Caribbean one, uh, there are two uh, tournaments that 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 can lead to the Champions League, ultimately, that the league champions can play in. One is the CFU Championship, which is for the uh, professional and some of the semi-professional leagues and teams. And then the CFU Club Shield, which is for uh, the strictly uh, non-professional teams and leagues. In any case, just to give you some idea uh, or perspective on where that puts them, 15, puts them right about uh, where Belize and the islands nation of Antigua and Barbuda are. Uh, Now, in addition to being affiliated with CONCACAF, they are also affiliated with France. This is one of France's overseas territories. All of their collective territories make up the sixth tier of uh, French football. They feed into the uh, championnat uh, level three. Um, I believe there's just uh, maybe about three more matches left in their regular season, and then the top four from each of the groups are going to move on to a championship round. At least looking at recent history, uh, the winner does qualify for the club shield, and three teams in turn would also get relegated from the overall table. Uh, 18 teams currently play in this league. They're all situated on the three biggest islands of the six inhabited ones. And as a side note, uh, this is one of a handful of countries, leagues in the world that don't use the traditional scoring format for points in the table. In Guadalupe, if you win, you get four points. If you get a draw, each team gets two. And then just for showing up, even if you lose, you still get one. In any case, let's look at our teams. Uh, Far du Canal. Uh, let's see. They are from the town of Far Petit Canal, which is a town of about 10,000 on the north central part of the Grand Terre Island. That's the northernmost island. Uh, this town was known as, uh, history of us, as Mancinillier, I believe it's pronounced. It was named for a poisonous tree that it is said by some uh, that a bunch of Colombians. Columbus's sailors uh, got sick and I think even died from probably eating the fruit of. This is mostly an agricultural part of the island, even though it is bi-coastal. They do have east and west beaches. Uh, The Stade de Petite Canal has uh, seats about 1,500 is all. Uh, If you follow CONCACAF, you may recognize the manager's name at the very least, Gerard Andy. He used to coach the uh, St. Martin national team. Last year, when it was just 14 teams in the league, they finished number seven when the league got abandoned for COVID. They were about 14 matches in was all. Uh, currently in their group, they are two points ahead of, oh, how do I say this, uh, Junese, J E U. And E S S E, Longtime friend and editor and producer of this podcast, the management. Loves to make fun of me and my pronunciation. I try to prepare. Forgot to look up that one. Junese Evolution. They are undefeated, even though they're only second best in the group table, but they've had a lot of draws. They are 8-6-0, and they are actually statistically better. They have the better goal differential. They're my pick to still win the division. Uh, this team, however, uh, Du Canal, they are 3-1-1 in their last five. They just lost A home game though to uh, number four very middle of the road club called Red Star and that'll be a little bit more important in a moment. Overall they are 9-4-2. Statistically they are tied for second best in the group on offense. It's very very tight with most of the teams and then they are tied for having the best defense in the group and overall in the league. Um, I had a hard time finding very much, to be honest, on any of the players. Uh, The one guy I could actually find a record of, I think, having scored one of the goals this year, and I'm just going to mention him because I liked his name, Artisan Charleston. And that's as in son of Artis, A-R-T-I-S-O-N. He's an attacker, might be their leading scorer, might not. Uh, Meanwhile, I had an even harder time at first finding anything at least in English till I rediscover the joy that is Google Translate on this team. Uh, Abbreviation C-E-R-F-A. I'm not going to try the French, but I'll give it to you in English. It is the Elite Center of the French Regions of America. And it's a school slash uh, soccer academy that just has only been in existence a couple of years. They launched in 2019. So this is a youth team. Now, exactly how youthful, I'm not 100% sure. What I can tell you is this. Um, if they, if I do have the right of it that they are strictly a youth team, they cannot win the league per se. Like they couldn't travel to the uh, Caribbean uh, Club Shield, for example. Uh, this school and academy, they recruit not only from Guadalupe, but all around their uh, area of uh, the Caribbean. Uh, they are first and foremost, they purport themselves to be an academic school, but it's all soccer players that they're recruiting. And uh, they train once a day, every single day. And they have a day, daily uh, PE requirement, which they also keep uh, strictly soccer-related, is my understanding. Now, question of age. Uh, With this academy, I know that uh, after uh, three years of high school-level studies, the players can either uh, sort of graduate if they get picked to go to uh, participate with, like, an MLS team or an MLS academy. Um, or if they don't, they can come back and play, I believe, for up to three more years and take what they're calling graduate studies, basically ages like 17 through 20, kind of community college level stuff, I believe, to use a a United States analogy. My suspicion is that uh, CERFA is a team of those graduate players and maybe the best of some of the younger players but take all of that with a grain of salt, if you would. Uh, what I am also more certain of, though, they are uh, also on the Grand Terra Island in the southwest part. They play in, uh, I believe their stadium is in Les Moules, which is actually on the uh, southeast part of the island. is a stadium of about 3,000. I said Southeast, should have said Northeast. They are 1-1-3 in their last five, and they actually beat Red Star two matches ago, the team I mentioned previously that Fadu Canal just lost to. So... Gives them a little bit of hope in this route of the week matchup. They are 2-3-9 on the year. Have the sixth best offense. Uh, last place in defense, though. Goal differential of 16-38. Uh, the only other team in the league that has that bad of defense is in the other group. Group A, Sporting St. Francois. Uh, looking at the stats, Noob predicts that this one will go 4-0 in favor of the favorites. Our second bonus match is perhaps the most unique one I'd like to think we do here at the podcast because obviously most every show that is uh, doing match previews like this one likes to focus on big matches in big leagues, albeit I do to go to a lot of other smaller ones. Even occasionally you will find podcasts where the hosts will talk about uh, relegation battles, teams uh, at the bottom of their league standings and about to go down. But I would like to think that I am the only one that brings you... The most meaningless match in the world. I put a lot of teams matchups on the Twitter polls and you voted for India's Super League. What is the most meaningless match in the world? I have once again scoured all the top flight domestic leagues in the entire world looking for teams that are exactly in the middle of their standings in terms of being between the very top or league playoffs and last place or if they have it, relegation. And I say if because that's important for this league. The Indian Super League, uh, collectively with the I-League, there are two co-top flight teams in India. Very unique situation. Collectively, they are considered the number 15 overall quote-unquote association in the entire AFC. So pretty good and moving up. As you might imagine, uh, cricket and maybe even some other things are uh, a little bit more popular than footy. But they sure are trying. To that end, the Indian Super League is the newer of the two football leagues, and they were specifically set up to try to promote uh, this sport in uh, regional areas of the country where uh, there were n- there was no I League representation, and they were big enough metro areas that it was really worth trying to get some fans on their side for the sport. It's very much set up like the MLS, not the I-League, but the S-League is. The S-League is uh, franchise-structured and has no uh, promotion or relegation uh, situation like the I-League does. Uh, The first season for this league, the S-League, was just in 2014. The top four teams are going to make the playoffs. Uh, The regular season winner uh, does now get to go to the Champions League group stage. That wasn't true a couple, three years ago, I believe, but now they are recognized by the AFC. If the regular season champion also wins the playoffs, then the number B team from the regular season uh, will also make uh, the AFC CL. They'll go to the uh, playoff round right before the group stage. Our matchup number seven, Jam, as me and Dan the Formo in. Uh, former Interno Inferno like to say Jamshadpur taking on number six Bengaluru trapped right in the middle of the standings. Uh, they're about mathematically out of the playoffs, but they're nowhere near last place. Uh, currently, Bengaluru lead uh, Jamshadpur by one in the table. Both are double-digit points from the top two, and then uh, last place as well, with just two matches to go in the regular season. And if you enjoy your ESPN+, Plus, you can enjoy this match at 9 o'clock Eastern time on Thursday. A little bit about each. Uh, Jamshadpur metro your area of about uh, one and a half a million in the northeast part of the country. Uh, this is India's. I don't know if it's the only one But I know it was their first one a planned industrial city and it's a big uh, steel area In fact, uh, the giant corporation Tata Steel owns this club So the team is known as the men of steel also as the red miners also interesting side note They were the first Indian team to have ever have their very own stadium and facilities that were strictly just for football last year they finished number eighth in this league uh, this year They're almost mathematically out of the playoffs. They would have to win all three of their games and make up a bunch of goal differential probably, and that's not likely to happen because this is a very defensively oriented team. They're not average in any particular statistic. They're uh, basically at the very bottom, second to last place in offense. Their strength is the defense. They are number four in the league. Uh, As far as the offense, what they do get largely comes from uh, number six league score, Nerajus. Uh, Valskis, he is Lithuanian. I am probably butchering his name and he is a forward. Um, if you're a European footy fan, you especially like the, the East and Southeast Europe and Central. He's bounced around a lot there in his career. This guy's like 33 years old. This is his only first or second season in India. And if you follow the international side of things, he is, uh, for the national teams, he's got 24 caps with the Lith- Lithuanian national team since 2013. And then on the assists leaderboard, you have an Indian player named, uh, and I love his first name, if you could just drop the D, Jackie Chand Singh. Uh, He is a winger with uh, 19 national team caps for India uh, from 2015 to today. And then their goalkeeper, he is third best in the league statistically, and his name is uh, Rehenesh. I can't remember if that's his first or last name. My notes are a little incomplete. Oh, no, his last name, now I remember, is simply TP, and that is uh, just stylized or spelled out as the two letters. So I don't know what that's an acronym for or if it is but he's done a little bit of time with the national team since 2017 has four caps with them in India. Meanwhile, the other side of the ball, Bengaluru, southern part of india huge metro area of 11 million and uh, this is an area that is known as the silicon valley of india for all their electronics ex- exports uh, if you're a fan of rowdy teams this is probably the one for you this was the first team to ever get fined uh, by their own league and the national fa for horrible fan behavior hooliganism that was in 2018 Ah, memories. Uh, They have one Super League title to their uh, credit since they were founded in 2013. They won this league in 2018-19, but they started in the I-League, and they have two titles from there. They won in their inaugural year, 2013, and again in 2016. They have made uh, two Champions League appearances, but they've never won a game there. They did have a bit uh, better luck in the AFC Cup, the secondary tournament there. Runners up in 2016 for that trophy. In the league last year, they finished number three. This year, a little bit better on offense uh, average. There, number five struggle a little bit on defense. Number eight in the league. Uh, they have two top ten league scores. Uh, the one that I find interesting, I wanted to mention because of his uh, MLS. Uh, Connection: a guy who you'd really have to be a Kansas City fan long time to know him probably. So Neil, I'm going to pronounce it Chahetri. It's got the two back-to-back H's in there. He is a striker, and while he has mostly been in India and some other places, he did spend the 2010 season with Sporting Kansas City of the MLS, although back then they were known as the Kansas City Rip, uh, Wizards, and I say you'd have to be a huge fan because he only made one appearance for the team. And then also their other top 10 league scorer, Clayton Silva, Brazilian forward, who's tied with him on goals. Uh, and he's also on the league leaderboard for assists, CONCACAF fans. He was in 2013-2014 with Delfines of the second tier league in Mexico, which is now known as the Ascenzo League. And then finally, their goalkeeper, uh, number six in the league, uh, caught a picture of this guy instantly. It was just flabbergasted, six feet, six inches tall, pretty tall, even for a goalie from what I gather, Uh, Gupreet Singh. his only time that he spent in Europe, that you might know him from, he played in uh, for Norwegian club uh, Stabæk for three seasons in the middle of the 2010s. And on the international side, he has 38 national team caps for India over the last decade. So lots of fun there, and I hope you enjoy uh, getting a little light shed on two teams that aren't going anywhere, good and bad, and that I would like to think no other podcast is paying attention to and uh, giving them a little bit of that spotlight. And finally, dearest New Bites, if I may call you as such, we have come to the 13th and final match of the Tenda Track, where clearly we don't believe in math. But what can I say? I love me my bonus matches. Although there is perhaps no love for these teams for number 13. We don't like to end the show on notes of happiness and joy, but rather with wailing and gnashing of teeth, hanging of heads, not being even able to make eye contact with one another, let alone for these two sad sack bottom feeders that you have voted on to get featured as the match of...
1: Disappointed!
0: That's right. Thank you, Kevin Sorbo. There is nothing but shame and melancholy here. You have voted on Twitter for what will be the match of Disappointed, and it is another Thursday match. We go to Europe to the Slovenian First League. It's only the number 131 league in UEFA, which is up one from a year ago, uh, sandwiches them between Poland and Slovakia. Uh, They get a Champions League first qualifying berth every year, uh, two ECL first qualifying berths, but more relevantly, for these two losers, one team will get automatically relegated, and one would have to earn their way into staying in the top flight by winning some sort of relegation playoff with a probably better second division team. Yes, the match of disappointed means teams that are absolutely putrid. Your combatants, number 10, Gorica, and number 9, Alumini. Working on my pronunciations at least Even though they probably don't deserve it As we give them the disappointed treatment Uh, Illumini, they lead Gorica by 5 in the table And they are in turn themselves 4 from Safety, uh, not even having to Play in a relegation playoff Uh, Both teams are very very uh, Below average in both offense And defense, I won't go into the particulars They are exactly as awful in both categories As you would expect them to be Nevertheless, Gorica, they are uh, situated in uh, the city or large town of Nova Gorica, about 13,000 in that town proper, but it's part of a larger tri-city metro. It's right on the uh, western border with Italy. Uh, They are known as the Roses, and I do really like their crest. They're not deserving of it this year, though. It's like a sky blue and white, and then it's got a great big rose right on the front. They are known as the Roses. Uh, They did have a much better season last year, but only because they were in the second division. Uh, They finished number B there, and thus we got automatically promoted they something of a yo-yo team because they have been in this league before and uh, have three titles to their credit. In fact, they won most recently in 2005-2006. Uh, that said, uh, in all their trips to the uh, Champions League, they have never made a group stage appearance. Uh, their last Europa League appearance was in 2017-18. Uh, they lost pretty quickly, second qualifying round. Their team's top scorer, the one who might give them any modicum of hope, uh, Etienne Velikanya. He is an attacker, veteran, 33 years old. If his name is familiar to you, English footy fans, it means that you are probably a Cardiff City supporter, as he has been with this team non-consecutively four different times. Meanwhile, alumini they are known as the foresters. They are from uh, a large village, if you will, of uh, Kidrachevo, I'm going to pronounce it, just 1500. Uh, But they're more or less in a suburb of a somewhat larger uh, provincial seat, uh, large town of uh, Plu or Pluge, about 20,000. Styrian region, that's the northeast part of the country, very famous for aluminum smelting. Hence the name, Illumini. Uh, Also for you history buffs, if that name sounds familiar, this was the site of the uh, Sterntl concentration camp where uh, ethnic Germans were uh, sent uh, post-World War II. So not the happiest note, but this isn't the happiest match considering that these two teams just stink. Uh, Last year, they finished number six. Uh, or rather, the 2018-19, the last fully completed season. Uh, the best they've ever done. They're a yo-yo team as well, bans- bouncing back and forth between this and the second division. They've never done better than number 5 in the top division. They hang what little hope they have on uh, tied for number 1 team score, Alan Crank, K-R-A-J-N-C, but pronounced Crank. And he is a midfielder. Good luck, I suppose, to both teams. You're both going to need more than perhaps any of us all can muster. And that will put a bow on episode 21 of the 10 to track weekly world match previews podcast. Yes, we're still working on a shorter name. You can make your own suggestions or talk anything footy you would like, whether it's about the show or not with me on Twitter at Soccer Noob USA. I'll even pass along uh, messages to the real star of the show, Person Noob, if you have them. I'd like to thank her at this time for her efforts. To longtime friend editor and producer the management for trying to make me sound as good as he can with this very uh, unique content at the very least, and to Dan, the former interno inferno for his efforts. Uh, I really hope you've enjoyed the podcast. I uh, strive at the very least to do content that makes this uh, a really unique change of pace podcast for you. I hope you'll tell your friends on Twitter or wherever your footy fans uh, reside online or in your real life. Look forward to doing this again next week. In the meantime, have, please, a fabulous footy week for yourself. Take care.